0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24 7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Read all of our stories over at Michiganinsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. So the, it's been a while since the two of us were on this podcast. And uh, I guess the big reason is we don't want to do a football podcast until we're the dust. I mean, well, until there's dust first and then. You know, we don't want to talk about something and like say like oh this player is a big key and then and then you know they or this coach will be a big key and then um, you know they change coaches or the player be, you know there's there's just a lot that could happen and we don't want to have a podcast that within like 20 minutes is is outdated. So um, plenty of football stuff to come. eventually some of the stuff will start to happen news wise. Uh, we'll cover that. and then as we get toward, you know, end of January, February, March, we can kind of start doing some some of the typical off-season content. But there is a basketball team to talk about, uh, a pretty good one for Michigan. They are 10-0, and 5-0 in the Big Ten, alone atop the Big Ten standings, number four in the NCAA's net rankings, which we'll repeat. We'll talk about it a little bit later on in this. Uh, it's, it's the only rankings that matter. And so... Lots to talk about kind of a one of those easier podcasts where literally, you know, you tell you, oh, what's a positive about the team? And it's it's the whole the whole team just about. Um, But anyway, we'll jump jump through it. So, Steve, these last two games, I think, is when is when things started to feel look and feel a little different. You know, I think. Entering the season, they were projected to start 11 and 0. I mean, maybe not with the cumulative probabilities, but they were going to be the favorites for their first 11 games, including these ones. It wasn't really until they hosted Wisconsin that anyone was thinking, oh, that might be a, a game that Michigan loses. I mean, they were expected to beat all of their non-conference opponents, uh, especially once it switched from North Carolina State to Toledo, You know, Penn State, Nebraska, Maryland, Northwestern. Minnesota was not expected to be. I mean, I think most people would have guessed that they would be fi- entering the season 5-0 and in, in the Big Ten as well. But still, these last two games, and you could throw Maryland in there as well, especially that second half, but these last two games against Northwestern and Minnesota, two teams that seemed, before they played Michigan, to be exceeding expectations. And Michigan... You know, there's a little bit of back and forth early on. I think Minnesota even brought it to within six points at halftime last night. But really, outside of the first like four minutes in both games, Michigan just looked like a significantly better team. And, you know, Northwestern has taken down some ranked teams, Minnesota has taken down some ranked teams. Both teams entered the game projected to be. NCAA tournament teams. Now, you know, I'm, I'm a little dubious of both of them making it through an entire big 10 slate where they're playing like half their games against teams like Michigan, but really, really, really impressive basketball. Won't say flawless because I, I do have, you know, we'll talk about where Michigan can improve, but pretty darn close. I mean, against Northwestern, they hit 12 threes offensively. They were just uh, on fire and they they shut down you know Northwestern's three-point attack against Minnesota. Maybe the best defensive performance I can remember. And I covered Michigan's, you know, number one ranked defense in 2018. Uh, you know, some of these other defenses. So maybe best ever is, is hyperbole or an overreaction, a recency bias, but man oh man, it just seemed like every possession. Minnesota just had this look on their face that was just like again with the defense. So Steve, what was what in these last two games and and you can talk about the whole season if you want, but what has been the most impressive part about the team's
1: play for you? Uh, Besides Dickinson, because I think that's the de facto answer, right? Um, Honestly, it's, yeah. I mean, it's pick your, pick your poison. Um, really. I think it's, it's clear that this team from top to bottom is buying in to the coaching staff and how they're teaching. Um, I go back to Chawny Brown as kind of being the epitome of that. You know, I mean, you see him make the hustle play on the loose ball. They're already going to win the game, make the, the, hustle on the loose ball throw it in for a dunk also playing like you know like tournament level like intensity on the defensive end and they're up by 30 uh, those are the types of things that I think really both a say a lot about the coaching staff and a lot about how much the players appreciate and are buying into the message the coaches are preaching but also, you know, for a veteran guy to come in from outside of the program and kind of set that example for some of these younger guys or less experienced guys, I think is just really, you know, I, what I like about this team specifically, and Smith and Brown are a big part of that, you just now have such a, a an interesting mix of characters uh, on the roster that in a lot of ways, I'm not getting ahead of myself here, but just history has kind of shown having like such a mix of, of talent, depth, experience, you know, you see Kentucky struggling, you see really, I mean, for all the talented players like Kentucky has pulled in, I think they've won what, one title. Yep. Under Calipari. And that, that was Anthony Davis was on that team. Who's like an, was an Uber talent at the college level. You know, it's like by and large teams that are winning the cha- winning at the college level still have to, I ha- have had like a lot of experience and experienced players and, and veteran like leaders Michigan's got a really unique mix of guys, uh, in, in my opinion. And, and it's a way where – and I think we talked about this a little bit before we got on air. There's – they've – the weird thing about these last two games is that, yeah, they were won in completely different fashions. Um, that's another sign of a really good team, that you can manhandle opponents in, like, very different ways. You know, Michigan on fire from deep against Northwestern. Yesterday, for long stretches of the game, they were not playing well offensively at all. But it still never really once they kind of established that that lead. It outside of what I think, yeah, they made that late run in the first half. Minnesota did, but that was a couple Marcus Carr, Jacks. Um, he's just a really good player, you know. But but never felt like Michigan was really not in control. Of the game because of that defensive ability, so I, I like I just like the variety of players that Michigan offers, and also like I said, sort of that that buy-in, and then like again, I think it's one of those things that with this roster, with this group, you can kind of tangibly see it when you're watching them. Um, you know, it just they've gotten a lot better on the defensive end in a very very short amount of time, and I think when when you consider a lot of defenses effort based, I think that says that. You know, these kids are really, really buying into what Juwan Howard and staff are are coaching them.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I think. um, I think that's the big one is that the team is is bought in and and that can be that can mean a few different things. One, I do think defense is very much about buy in. It's not like football where, um, you know, I mean, there is play calling. There are sets, there are defenses that you run, but uh, it's a little bit more about effort and desire. I mean look, I, I that was the Xavier Simpson factor, right? Is that he was such a good defender not because he was like really long-limbed or you know could jump you know it was because he just really wanted to be a good defender and he cared about it. Um and and I'm actually going to go with well, I'm trying to think like how to differentiate from yours cuz I think our points are very similar. I think there's three things going on there's there's the buy-in there's the extra effort plays and there's the defense and and to me I think I think the defense has been the most impressive over the last two days because or last two games because they didn't we weren't going into this season thinking oh this will be a really good defensive team in fact four or five games in I think most people kind of thought, hey, this this team might not be that good on defense. Yeah, you know, they, they gave up eighty-two points to Bowling Green. I know seventy-one points in, in regulation to Oakland. Um, you know, seventy-one points to Toledo. And that, that's those were on kind of relatively well, not Oakland, but Bowling Green and Toledo, low-possession games. I think both teams average more than a point per possession. And so I think entering Big Ten play, it was kind of like, well, maybe maybe the defense will be a weakness for Michigan. But I, I think that the effort is there. I think that was very clear early on last night. I almost wondered, you know, if they were like trying to like, if someone had put out bulletin board material about Michigan, not being good on the defensive end or something, the way that they were going after deflections, the way they were celebrating deflections. I mean, I think it was the second play of the game or second possession of the game. They deflected a ball out of bounds and and the bench just erupted. Like it was, it was like a steal and dunk. And then they had steals and dunks. Right. And so later on in the game. Uh, and so to me, you know, it's I'm not an X's and O's guru. Um, but it really just seems like their 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 understanding of what they need to do against each team to be successful. You know, they they had a plan against Liam Robbins, who had five points in the first three minutes and then literally did not score the rest of the game. You know, they had a plan against Pete Nance, who had, I think, eight points in the first four minutes. And I think he scored, what, two points the rest of the game? Yep. And so I guess that I'm kind of walking myself into they know how to adjust, but I actually do think they have a plan. I thought, you know, Jamon Howard, give him a lot of credit, putting Franz Wagner on on Pete Nance. You know, when you you have Hunter Dickinson, he's got to cover somebody, right? Uh, And it, it does help that Hunter Dickinson is showing up a little bit more defensively focused. And quicker than maybe initially expected, I you know I'm hesitant to call him or to to you know talk about the small ball versus Hunter Dickinson narrative because I think he can guard those guys, which is significant not just for Michigan for his NBA draft stock as well. But yeah, the way they're defending, you know they they they're running teams off the three point line. The only teams that are scoring or the only time teams go on scoring runs right now is if they're just making. Shots now. I do think Minnesota. I will say, if you can limit Carr, they're ju- they are not a good jump shooting team outside of Carr right now. I mean, Gabe Kalsher, he's been a great three point shooter in the past. It's just not there. Uh, they're two transfers on the wings, pretty good players, and that's why they're winning some of these games. But man, they have games. I think with against Wisconsin and against Illinois, they were respectively seven for. 28 and seven for 31 from three point range. And so those are the three losses when they've hit seven of 28 or more three pointers. But at the same time, Michigan really limited what Carr could do extremely limited. What uh, Liam Robbins could do. And it, it just the plan and the, the defensive tenacity, of the last two games has really, really stood out to me. And then the extra effort plays, just real quick, since kind of rounding out what I think are the big three, I think this team's playing like a tournament team already. And that speaks to the buy-in point that you brought up, is I think, I mean, how many times did Michigan players just hit the deck immediately going after a loose ball? And how many times did they, you know, was a ball bouncing out of bounds? And, and you have guys who who have, I mean, you know, I can't speak to how hurt they are, but they have had injuries in the past, and they're going after these balls, uh, putting their body on the line to, to, you know, save a ball that was already going to be theirs. You know, and then Eli Brooks, um, who I, I, I think doesn't get enough credit as kind of being a big reason why this team is so tough-minded and so extra effort-determined. You know, lost his lost a tooth last night on almost the exact same play that he broke his nose ten months ago on. I mean, it was the exact same thing where it's kind of like, oh, I wouldn't I you know, you can tell a collision's coming. And he says, Screw it, I need the ball. And so um, and he's not the only one. He's obviously had the, the two injuries, but um yeah, it's it's uh Pretty. I mean, I hope I hope Michigan fans are watching and enjoying this because it's it's pretty special. I mean, they're they're. I don't think anyone would have put them on paper as a top five team, but right now, if the season ended today, they would be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Absolutely, based on the net rankings. And I mean, it's it's kind of a bummer that they they won't get to play on uh, Saturday against Penn State. But when Wisconsin comes to town next Tuesday, I mean, it's going to be has a very real chance of being a top five matchup, top 10 matchup. And so pretty, pretty darn cool uh, for, for Michigan. And yeah, I think the defense is just, I mean, they, they, they lead the country now in two-point defense. 39.1% teams are shooting on twos. Fifth in the country. Sorry. Got a little ahead of myself, but still top five in avoiding shots at the rim and forcing teams into to mid range looks. Um, you know, avoiding fouls yesterday. Minnesota, I think, was one, I think they were they led the country with over 20 made free throws per game. And last night they had what was the final tally? Six. So you know they, they just they know how to they know how to win on the defensive end. I think I think on offense we've seen they, they can win in a lot of different ways. A lot of different players have gone off for 15, 20 points. you I mean, really seven different players I think have. So we've seen offensively they can kind of spread the ball around and they they can kind of um, different players can step up on different nights. And now I think you're seeing a defensive tenacity that Really, I mean, you know, just not necessarily expected. That was supposed to be a Xavier Simpson, Charles Matthews, Luke Yaklich thing, and, and you know, maybe maybe there'd be a good defense. Now you're seeing an elite defense again. And so pretty impressive. Steve, we, we I think Hunter Dickinson, not to he, he he hasn't been talked about enough, but he has been talked about to the point where I think most people understand um i mean you know there's there's a lot of things you could say about him we've said a lot of them in the last couple games or in big 10 play so far who's who's another player that has really caught your attention for improving since when the season began or maybe you know when michigan was quote-unquote struggling against teams like penn state and oakland early on in the season
1: uh, the answer to this one's really easy for me. I, it's got to be Mike Smith, uh, just hmm. from an all-around standpoint. I think we, I think yesterday, a great indication or very indicative of how much he's come along defensively. I know a few yourself included, maybe a few people have tweeted about Smith specifically getting better on the defensive end. I know it's been yeah, about, you know, right?
0: so he he had some major blowbys against Oakland Bowling Green. Uh, maybe not ball state, but yeah, it was, he was a defensive quote unquote liability. Now I say that knowing I'd be, you know, I say that's relative to other big 10 point guards, but, um, and then I think for a few games, he was his quick feet. He was able to stay in front of guys, even if they were still scoring. I think the last two games I'm, I'm with you. I think he's really, really improved.
1: Right. So defensive end, he's made some big strides. And offensively, he just continues to – it's like I know it was even mentioned on the broadcast yesterday, a couple of the passes he made to announcer. I don't know if it was Bardo or if it was the actual play-by-play guy mentioning that he and Dickinson really seem to have a good chemistry going, you know, in the pick-and-roll type situations. Fascinating to me, or even on Smith's drive and dishes, um, Smith's almost always making the right choice, making a a pass in the right spot to make it easier for Dickinson – uh, to make you know make his basket easier, uh, but the thing is like it's fascinating to think though a grad transfer from Columbia and a true freshman, uh, kind of developing such a good one-two combo there. You know, lethal because Michigan's got shooters on the outside; they have wings that can, you know, drive the baseline or or just get into the lane depending on how aggressive. You know, if the help defense comes back out aggressively to try to block the deep shot. You have guys that can come in and make baskets or, or lay the ball in. So, you know, I, I think Smith has really kind of been one of the catalysts, especially offensively, you know, for Michigan. And there's been a guy that, uh, again, it's like hard because, yeah, Eli Brooks is like such a quiet – he's a kind of like quietly the backbone. I feel like, you mm-hmm. know, I think even his mentality is kind of funny. Uh, I don't know if it was in our Slack or where it was, like how he even came out yesterday in the thing. Like he just kind of – doesn't like not really an emotional guy just like focused and 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 locked in and ready to go you know kind of sets that could maybe set the tone for Michigan especially on the defensive end but uh but no I'm gonna go with Smith yeah you know, I just think what he does offensively it's naturally always whoever was going to play point guard after Simpson's going to be compared to as That two totally different you know but what he's brought has really kind of been an almost perfect fit for what they needed with everyone else they have on the roster right now.
0: Which I think is a big testament to how Michigan's coaching staff, because I'm not sure how much Juwan Howard works with, with Smith. I I imagine Howard Isley probably spends a little bit more time with him, but when he came to Michigan, he was almost like, I mean, I, I don't know how much you watched of his film, I say film, it was a couple of YouTube videos for me, but, but kind of what he did at, at Columbia, that was not really his game. Now he did have a lot of assists, but it was so much of like, he was going to drive to the basket and either he was going to attempt the shot or he's going to kick it out. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit more intricacies and, than that, but he's become such a, or he's been such a complete player for, for Michigan. Um, and his box score stats aren't bad. I mean, 8.5 points per game, uh, 5.3 assists, 3.0 rebounds, which is quite a bit when you consider his size. But, um, yeah, he's...
1: He's that guy that does more than what the box score... Absolutely. You know, that, and that's... Yeah, and and again, what's fun about this team is I, I don't think you have to be, like, a basketball like fanatic to see it either. You know, I mean, I just, the way he facilitates the offense. The other thing is like, I always watch with the point guards too, is knowing when to push, knowing when to settle things down. Like he seems to have a very good feel. And again, I think what's so impressive about that, this is a totally different group of guys than he's played with anytime in his college career, you know, and to (laughs) kind of have that feel, you know, is another thing I noticed throughout the game where, you know, play is frantic, couple turnovers or like a, a loose ball, you know, it's like, he kind of seems to make the right decision. Uh, You know, he's also gotten, he's like very much more effective in driving the lane and, and, and getting to the basket and scoring, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so. And that was a big question
0: mark in, in the big 10 for him. Now I'm sure it helps that Dickinson can like, you know, move around and, and will draw attention wherever he is, you know, and they have a couple, you know, Isaiah Livers is going to draw attention at three point line. Like it's a, it's a slightly more open lane, but there was a lot of shots I saw him make at Columbia that was kind of like, I don't know if he's going to be able to shoot those in the Big Ten. Um, also speaks, to, I, I totally agree with your um, changing pace point because he's very fast. I, you know, he's, I don't know if he's the fat. They don't run 40 times in, in basketball, but he's extremely fast, yet... Also, I think there are times where I I think he can he can work with whatever defense he's working with and whatever the situation calls for.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just it's it's fascinating. So the thing is, is all these guys are all feeding off each other, though, also, you know, like you said, with Dickinson, it's the same with, you know, Wagner taking a step forward. Mm -hmm. is helping helping these guys be more effective so it's really that's kind of going back to the first question that's kind of another point that has really been kind of fun to watch is how again I just the the combo not just we talk about the veterans and then the youth and the experience and stuff but also just the player types seem to mesh really well together now Michigan has thrown a couple kind of funky lineups out there at different points you know, normally like late first half, early second half lineups have been some some interesting groupings. But for the most part, even when the, just the slight tweaks, um, it seems to be working, you know. And uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so so that's another area, you know, where, like I say, you see Smith starting to excel. And part of that could be because Dickinson is playing at a really high level. But, you know, it's also, you know, Wagner and Brown. And, you know, it's just like as a team, it's like, this is why they're able to win these games the way they have. And it still doesn't seem like Isaiah livers is quite playing like Isaiah livers. Right. I mean, that, that's, you know, how these guys are all still able to feed off each other where it's not. If player a, you know, normally a lot of times the fear has been if player a is off, then player B better be on, or they're going to be in trouble as a team for said game Michigan feels like it feels like there's a deep enough group of guys that can fulfill that a or b role in a given sit in a given game to where you can get away with a guy one of your better players maybe having an off night or having a couple off nights you know and that's that's really been another area where it's been kind of neat to see because Again, like I said, I mean, Livers, I don't know how many points he had last night.
0: He ended up with 14.
1: Right? So, so again, a quiet quiet 14. (laughs) But still, though, like he's still – his decision-making has been a little – I just – he doesn't seem like quite – like early season Isaiah Livers, maybe. Um, Meaning, my point is, is that there's still growth there so that they're still performing the way they are with him. I, th- I still think he, there's more there for him and, and could really even raise the ceiling of what's already, you know, we've seen what's happened now with Wagner playing the way that he is, uh, you know, and effective as he is on both ends of the floor. Now looking the way that we thought he would or could, you know, it's like, I think livers is a guy that I think is a, somebody who could have a couple 20, 25 point games in him still easily, you know, and, and we haven't seen that in a while. And so uh Yeah. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus.
0: What brings you to the shy
1: opportunity? Everybody get down! Walk right up to the sun. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never
0: should have sent a boy to do a woman's job.
1: The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit paramountplus.com/the shy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. The subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
0: Yeah, I agree. When I asked this question, I was really thinking. You know, as I asked it, I'm like, oh, it's let's well, Franz, right? <laughs> In terms of the last, you know, three or four games, because uh, I think he scored six points against Penn State, and then, and then there was a lot of. um a lot of like press conference questions and, and I get why, but it was kind of like frauds is still playing pretty good basketball. I think in that six point game, he had, uh, you know, seven rebounds, three assists, two blocks. Like it wasn't like he was doing nothing, but man against Northwestern, he looked like a lottery pick to me. I, you know, if he, if, if that becomes something he does in half of his games, he's going to make a lot of money. He's going to, you know, join a long list of Michigan first round draft picks, you know, who left after their second year as a starter. Um, And yeah, I think he, I think he's had a very good season as a two way player already, but I think the last, I'll say four games, I think he's really hit, um, hit a a stride in terms of decision-making when to shoot, when to you know pass it off, when to get involved offensively. And it's 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 worked. I mean 20 points against Nebraska, 19 against Maryland, and then these last two games, uh, 26 points, 17 rebounds, nine assists, seven blocks in, in these two games. It's just um you know, I guess I guess you could say maybe he should be have a higher usage rate. You know, he should be a little bit more involved. Hard to say that when Hunter Dickinson scoring 28 points on what for 15 shot attempts. But um, yeah, he's someone else that, you know, if it, it really, I think Michigan, I don't know if they'll lose a game this season. If one of Wagner or Isaiah livers has a quote unquote, good game. You know, if they both have a good game, I don't think Michigan's going to lose period. But if, if, as long as they get one of the two, because I think that's, that's, that's what makes michigan impossible to guard. you know, big man, all right, you can you can double a big, you can kind of hone in on on Hunter Dickinson. You can with Isaiah or with um Eli Brooks and and Mike Smith, you can kind of and I'd throw Shaundy Brown in there as well. You can kind of figure out how to defend those guards. You can you can kind of slow down the two, the two man game. But if they can just kick it out to Isaiah Livers who can hit a three or Franz Wagner who can you know, drive to the rim and, and dunk over uh, someone guarding him that's like four inches shorter than him just uh just not gonna work uh, you know if you're a defense trying to face Michigan so as you as we've kind of t- touched on a few times just a really complete and balanced team especially on offense and, and you're starting to see it on defense as well where I mean good luck right to, to other Teams, I mean, I I've watched ten games. I'm not sure how I would defend them. I'm not sure which player. I, I mean, I guess it would be Hunter Dickinson, but um, you know, he he's looking pretty hard to stop himself. Steve, couple couple other quick hitter questions. What do you think? It there might not be a true quote unquote weakness for Michigan since they're ten and zero. I mean, we have to see how they lose before we can guess how they might lose. But what do you think is, um, is a weakness or, or something something that, you know, say when they face Wisconsin, the Wisconsin, Illinois and, and Iowa's of the Big Ten, you know some of the other top teams, uh, a trouble area that might come to fruition or might be something that Michigan may want to work on in these next few days?
1: It's Got to be turnovers, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's the
1: I mean that's the natural number answer, one yeah right which again the, the, the I know a couple hours like three or four games ago some posters on the board complaining you know, it's not like it was with B line with B line they never turned the ball over Michigan still actually had one of the best assist to turnover ratios in the country last year I do think that's a Xavier Simpson thing mm-hmm. uh, right I mean I think that's' where one area where he really exerted a lot of control over the game. I think he led the country in it Probably, for a right? while, didn't he? So but Continue. No, what I was going to say, is, so you had to expect there'd be some sort of decline there. But I think where Michigan's at turnovers-wise is, actually, it's an area where they could still, I think they could still easily Im- improve. I don't think it's going to be this steep of a decline throughout the season. You know, and that's, again, that's another area where it's, like, interesting where this team still, there are – visible areas where they can improve and get better you know and that, and that's one that i think is a lot of times it's not that di- it's not that difficult to fix and i i don't i don't know about you i don't believe that a high turnover rate just based on watching the game i don't think it's a product of playing a more loose style of offense either i mean a lot of them are just simple kind of fixable mistakes in a lot of instances you know and um so that'd be i mean that'd be the natural answer i feel like Uh, would be just not turning the ball over as much, being a little more careful with the basketball.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I think last night actually made me think it's a slightly bigger problem because, you know, when they faced Penn State, I was kind of like, all right, watch five minutes of Penn State. You'll turn the ball over just watching them. The way that, you know, the kind of the press um, defense that they kind of play leads to a lot of fouls. I mean, it's not a sustainable situation, but, um, but yeah, they're a team that forces turnovers. Nebraska, as bad as they are, they were kind of in the same boat. They're a team that forces turnovers at a, at a decently high rate. I think, you know, I think Maryland, I don't know if statistically they, but you know, th- the way that they can just switch on every single or switch between positions. I mean, er, you know, the, every player could play all five positions for them seems like. Um, you know, but now the last couple games they've played teams that don't, don't force turnovers very much. Northwestern, I think, three hundred and eleventh in forced turnover rate, uh, and then Minnesota, I think they're in the yeah, they're two twenty-third in out of you know the three hundred and fifty or so Division one teams. So not not teams that really even try to force turnovers, and Michigan still kind of coughing the ball up a little bit too much Uh, 13 last night. So about one in five possessions, they turn the ball over. uh, Sloppy might be a stretch because some of their passes are great, but it seems like there are some hiccups where just kind of passing the ball, trying to work around the defense. They, they, they've thrown it out of bounds a few times. Uh, They've had a few where it tipped off. I think there were two last night that were like, was that an alley oop, or a really bad shot, or a pass that went a little too high, uh, and, and just like kind of those kind of plays, where they're sort of forced, but they're not that forced, or you know, work quickly down the court, and it it the ball just kind of slips out of their hands. So, um, I guess I mean Michigan's aware of it. You know, they aren't they aren't dismissing it when we ask them. They're like, no, it's something we got to clean up. Uh, that that's their kind of general response. Yeah, that's, it it is
1: interesting. You know, Wisconsin looking, Michigan, still Wisconsin, Ohio state, Iowa, all within the top 10 of the country and lowest turnover rate per game. Mm -hmm. You know, so those will be some pretty interesting matchups given that difference in, you know, maintaining possessions. And by the way,
0: if the season ended today, Michigan's turnover rate would be the highest it has been since 2007-2008, John Beeline's first season. So, to the board posters, you're correct. It isn't like it was with John Beeline. Now, I think there are some trade-offs. Um, I think everyone knew that was going to happen. They have, by far, their best offensive rebounding rate. They are shooting better for, on two-point... I mean, they're, you know the, the tempo's a little faster. There's a lot a lot that's working you know the assist rate is has been extremely high uh, the past two seasons under Juwan Howard and so yeah there's certainly um you know it it goes both there's two, there's pros and cons to it but i do think the amount that are relatively unforced even if they count as forced turnovers but that were very preventable for Michigan where they weren't just playing a team that like an Oakland Oakland loves to force turnovers. Of course, Michigan was going to do a lot of turnovers in that game. Um, You know, but now you're starting to see it against teams that I would not, that would not um, stand out to me as defenses that force a lot of turnovers. So something to keep an eye on Um, another component for Michigan that I think uh, could be improved Weirdly, because I think in some games it really works, but I think the I think the th- jump shooting, the three point shooting, maybe it's an overreaction from um, from last night. Last night they had a lot of dunks and layups, and maybe I'm wrong. I feel like a team like Wisconsin, a team like Iowa, a team like Illinois is not going to allow that many dunks and layups. I'm not sure if that's true. But yeah, I mean, Michigan was fourteen for sixteen on dunks and layups. They were seven for seven. All right, they were seven for seven on dunks, fourteen for sixteen on layups, and then they hit twelve of thirty-five other shots. You know, they won't always go four for thirteen from the three-point line, um, but twelve for thirty-five. I mean, that that just says this team is not infallible. I mean, they. I think they have some shooters, Isaiah Livers, especially. But I think you know Franz Wagner, Shondy Brown, you know Mike Smith have all shown they can be, quote unquote, streaky shooters. We haven't really seen Terrence Williams or Hunter Dickinson show off their three-point shooting yet, and so it, it really is Isaiah Livers and and Eli Brooks on most nights, and then you're kind of if you're Michigan, you're kind of hoping other players come in because at some point teams are going to figure out how to slow Hunter Dickinson down. Now it will be on, you know, Hunter might have counters. He might get better and, and you know have all these moves that teams continually have to figure out. But I got to think at some point teams are going to start doubling Hunter Dickinson and they're gonna be like, we go ahead and shoot your threes. And maybe you have a game like Northwestern where you hit 12 of them but you might also have a game like Minnesota where, I mean, if, if Hunter Dickinson doesn't play last night, maybe I, th- I still think Michigan wins, but I, I can't say for certain the, the way Minnesota was was playing. I mean, Michigan was not making jump shots. So maybe that's a, a lighter concern. Certainly, again, they're 10-0. They're number four in the country in the net rankings. Um, so there's some perspective there. But yeah, turnovers jump shots Steve is this is Michigan the team to beat in the big ten now uh, I mean you know the Iowa's got Luca Garza doing every, everything he's doing Illinois seems to have two you know bona fide all big Ten players um, you know Wisconsin remains Wisconsin I think they're always going to be a tough out Michigan is the only undefeated team. But they also have played a liked her Big Ten schedule right. to date. Where where do you put Michigan in the Big Ten right now?
1: I mean, they're right there. I I, I don't want to put too much on on a single game, but I mean if if and again, they're not going to do what they did the last two games, they're not going to do that to Wisconsin. But if they can win that game and look pretty good doing it, then I think you could I think you could safely say that they would be the team to beat. In conference, I'm not quite sure we're there yet, just because like you said, you know, you talk about even like Rutgers, Ohio State, um, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, you know, they haven't played any of those teams yet. And the Big Ten is so deep that it's, <clears throat> it's really going to be hard to project who's the team to beat. I, I just I do feel like this is still going to be a really contentious battle at the top and really everywhere, probably top to bottom you know the the more important battles at the end of the day will be like the 10th and 11th spots in conference to try to get into the the big tournament but i don't i don't i'm not quite there yet just because i yeah i just i'd like to see you know i don't know if the game this weekend would have been against penn state would have really been much of a difference maker either although i, I was decently impressed by penn state when they first met did feel like penn state was kind of the quintessential team that was hitting outrageously difficult shots to stay in the game type type deal, uh, which again, I've commented multiple times. I feel like in the last two games, haven't, that hasn't been that, but I just feel like Michigan tends to play teams that just hit some outrageous, outrageously difficult shots on a more consistent basis uh, than they normally would. So I'm, I'm eyeing the game against Wisconsin as really maybe, you know, the decider in that regard of who's the team to beat in conference early on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't say they are the team. I mean, I can say they are in first place, right. But so by that definition, they're the team to beat, but in terms of predicting, I actually still think it's going to be, I I still kind of look at Illinois as a team that, you know, has it figured out on both sides of the, both sides of the ball, both, both ends of the court. Um, you know, they have multiple ways to win, I think they've got some younger players, some freshmen who are just going to keep getting better and more involved, um, as as most freshmen not named Hunter Dickinson need. You know, it's throughout the course of the season. I think they've got a pretty good mix, and I I think I think Michigan passed its two tests this week. They still do not have not played a, a an especially tough. Big Ten schedule: Nebraska 0 four in the Big Ten. Penn State 0 three. Maryland, uh, you know, even though I think they count as Michigan's quadrant one win so far, uh, they are one and four in Big Ten play. You know, Northwestern three and two, but they've lost two straight. Minnesota, um, they've lost to Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan. So, I think Michigan's comfortably in that top group: Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa. Michigan and you know, if Michigan state or Rutgers kind of figure something out, I think they could or Ohio state, I think they could enter that, that group. But for now, I think there's four teams at the top and I think Michigan's one of them, but I, I actually kind of think Illinois could end up being the one that gives, gives the big 10, the most trouble um, throughout the course of the season. Uh, But yeah, in the group, not there yet, and I think next Tuesday will tell us a whole lot, a whole lot. And so, um, see anything else about this basketball team. You know, we can. I don't know if it'd be an aired out, you know, because they are ten and zero. But, but any anything else uh, that we didn't cover that's worth mentioning?
1: Not really. I was gonna. I was gonna ask of that second group of Big Ten teams. You mentioned which one do you think is the most? Is it state still the most likely apt to, to apt to taking the step up? Yeah,
0: I I think it is Michigan State. I, 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 I'm kind of under the belief. I think every year I'm like, well, Wisconsin and Michigan State are going to be up there because they have the culture, they have the coaching um, and Michigan State. I mean, they, they have, I'm not sure what's going to happen with their front court. I, I almost feel like, Izzo wants to go in the lab for like two weeks and figure it out. But, you know, Hoggard, I hope I'm saying his name right. um, At point guard, I think, I think he's, he's working out well. I think they've won two straight with him there actually. Um, You know, and then they have, they have talent. It's, you know, it's kind of weird because I think they have the kind of talent that's good one game. Not, you know, I think they, they have a lot of guys who are like a year away or a couple months away from like really emerging, um, you know, like Aaron Henry rocket Watts. I, I think they have a lot of guys who are, can look amazing in one game and then look so, so in the next game. Um, can't say I watch every Michigan state game. So I, I you know, say that with kind of, kind of ducking a little bit. Like I think I'm right on that, but sure. um, I mean, they've got like eight guys who could be amazing in a given night. and And that's, that's significant. So yeah, I, th- I don't know. Oh, starting zero three in the Big Ten is not a formula for success. Including a what was it twenty six point loss, twenty five point loss to Minnesota. Yep. Granted, it was in Minnesota, but um, yeah. Oh, the other thing about Michigan, haven't they've only they've played two road games in the Big Ten, um, so they have eight more or well they they have potentially eight more the Penn State one got postponed for now uh they haven't really played i know it's i know it's kind of a weird situation because there's like 50 fans in the stands but big 10 teams are actually 24 and 9 playing in the in the big 10 in big 10 play the home team is 24 and 9 so that's something to keep an eye on is you know maybe they'll beat wisconsin on tuesday but they could go to Minnesota and Minnesota's comfortable shooting in their own gym. And, and they end up having a really good game. Um, you know, you do have to go to a lot of these, you know, NCAA tournament caliber teams that are, um, you know, playing at their, at their home court where they're comfortable. I did have a question because you and I were joking, like, what is the most troubling part of Michigan? Uh, are you worried that they're playing too well, Steve? (laughs)
1: I mean, it wasn't so like I tweeted that last night and it was like sort of a tongue-in-cheek type right. joke. But I mean, there was that stretch for like three, four minutes yesterday where it was like it almost looked like somebody put like a video game on like auto mode or something where like everything <laughs> was just all in one motion, everything was perfect. I think there was a, a play where it they it was
0: like a 20-nothing run. Yeah, actually. Yep, yeah. And it
1: was and it was right when they capped it off. There was the play where it was like somebody got beat by the dribble and or off the dribble. And then it looked like Wagner had eyes in the back of his head and turned around and made a beautiful block. And then they went into transition and it was just like, what the hell is going on? Like, <laughs> it was just like, it was almost uh symphonic, I guess, uh, as far as like the way it was just like, everything was just like, perfect. Um, so, you know, it's like, it's just one of those things though, where, you know, you're, you see the 16 next to Minnesota, and you see Michigan beating them, like doubling them up, you know, and it's just kind of like, i have always one who like, just say like, keep expectations in check a little bit. You know, this is not, they're not going to win. They're not going to do this uh, every time they take the floor, you know, there are, there's still bumps in the road to be had, you know, and I think those bumps in the road are important, you know, for for any team that wants to make a deep run in the actual tournament. So I, that's just the way, kind of the way I looked at it, but um, you know, just, yeah, keep, some expectations in check here. I mean, I, obviously we all agree the team is much better than what we thought they were going to be and they look they really do look like they have staying power uh on a national level this season as far as this is not a mirage because there's too many different weapons, there's too many different ways they're winning basketball games. Uh you know, that too many different ways they can just flat out beat you for this to be you know, some kind of you know, facade or, or they're just playing above their level or playing over their heads. I really don't think that's the case, but you know, you talk about Illinois, you talk about Iowa, Wisconsin, you know, talk about those teams, you know, Michigan's the, the toughest part of their road is still ahead of them. So, you know, I think be prepared for some potential bumps there. He you looks know, like Hunter hundred is no way he's going to shoot 80% from the field for the right. He, he's like a creative player uh, right now, offensively, as far as like, just the efficiency is, is ridiculous. You know, and so, you know, so I just try to say, like, take a step back, enjoy it. First of all, because this is it is it's been it's even just a fun good team, too, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They're having fun. They play a fun style of basketball. You have a famous alum coaching the team. Guy's passionate as hell about the program. I was going to say, he's really endearing. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and again, honestly, it really, and we say this as Michigan just signed the number one class in 2021. He really is, to me, kind of approaching that, why would you not want to go play for this guy type level? Because they're succeeding. The kids, and like we took the first point we made, at the top of the episode, is that this group is totally buying in from top to bottom. And he's just a charismatic like good dude you know who who has experience at the nba level and by all accounts now we're seeing it can coach and knows how to assemble a staff too Mm -hmm. that can coach you know and so that's why i say is like it really kind of is like you know you can kind of see the the future right now is is very 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 bright you know and and uh, that's why I say like, you know, they're, they're recruiting, they, they signed two five stars. They're in on a bunch of kids in 22. It's like, you really are kind of wondering what kid in the country who is going to go the college route, you know, what, what kids should not give Michigan a look, you know, you feel like you should, if you're an elite guy right now, you should be giving Michigan a look and uh, different from B right. Cause it was more of a process with B line, loved the way B line did things. You know, we're seeing what Duncan's doing in the NBA seeing what a lot of guys that he recruited are doing in the NBA. This is, but this is just a totally different way. And really, in my opinion, a more exciting kind of way that they're building the program. And just, I don't know, it just, it does feel a little bit different as far as just the general aura around the program right now.
0: Yeah. Well, and again, I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm careful as someone who writes stories about this stuff, I'm careful of like jumping all in, you know, when they say like, Oh, this team's really, you know, cause Um, it's very easy to have those narratives when you haven't lost. And I mean, I think even Michigan football after they beat Minnesota, um, to start the season, you know, they had like, Oh, the vibe's just different. It's a real selfless team. It's, you know, there's lots of great leadership. And, and then obviously they, um, maybe those things were still true, but it didn't translate to wins much of the rest of the season. So, you know, it's, it's, I I'd I'd say Michigan fans should, Enjoy it, but um, I agree. I mean, Jawan Howard is. I I think he's, he's exactly what what I think Michigan fans were hoping he could be. You know, pretty pretty darn good at X's and O's. You know, has comes into every game with plans. You know, even if they have to adjust them or change them. You know, the plans that he has, and then recruiting guys who get it. And I, I talk about that in the transfer portal, too. I mean, for them to go two for two on transfers who, um, you know, I mean, transfers, you just really don't know. Sometimes guys miss or sometimes it takes them a year or two to recalibrate. Uh, you know, they went two for two. You know, the Hunter Dickinson, I think his first top 50 recruit, I guess you can count Franz as well. You know, instant Perfect thorough impact uh you know really no bumps in the road yet um so enjoy it i mean it's a a, you know i I get texts from a lot of you know friends and family who are who are michigan fans and they're like this is such a welcome (laughs) thing to to watch you know if you're a michigan fan i you know you've had a had a rough fall uh with the football team and so um enjoy it but yeah there will be bumps i i to me, I almost think Michigan is better off losing at some point because I think, I think it's probably good for them to see, you know, what that looks like and how they respond. Um, you know, the, the proverbial like you don't want to peak too early. I think this team is actually not in that boat because they're not hitting a bajillion shots every single night. You know, it's not like they're just shooting for it. You know, because the shooting, I think, is the one thing that could dip the most. Right in the duration of the season. I don't think Michigan's going to forget how to play defense. Now teams might figure it out. And I do think there are going to be teams that get better. I mean, this happens, you know, Purdue and Iowa always strike me as teams that look so good in December and January. And then teams like Michigan under beeline would like kind of catch up. And then by the big 10 tournament, you know, Iowa or or Purdue might've been the one or the two or the three seed, but Michigan was the better basketball team in the big 10 tournament. And so, um, you know, how how does the Michigan state improve throughout the season? How does Rutgers improve throughout the season? So that's, that's maybe one thing to think about, but for now they're 10 and zero. um, you know, and then the, the, the game this weekend got postponed. So Michigan gets to sit on it for a little bit, you know, for the coaches, they can, call up some 2022 recruit. I don't know if it's a dead period or not, but in theory they can, they get some of these positive headlines, all this news about them and, and the players can, I guess, rest their bodies having done quite a bit of work already. Um, but yeah, the, the quadrant one games are coming and that will be very interesting. But for now undefeated for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. Hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, throw us a rating, subscribe, tell your friends about it. We'll be back with more when there's football news. And then obviously next week, um, if there isn't too much football news, we'll we'll have a basketball episode as well. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.